Listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. We will get to our story in a moment, but first, Paula and I would like to thank all of you for your continued support. If you are new to our podcast, the best ways to support us is to tell a family member or a friend. Leave a five-star review, and also consider becoming a Patreon member by going to patreon.com slash ohiomysteries. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Ohio Mysteries. Now, let's throw another log on the fire, campers. Let's dig up a new Ohio mystery. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us as always is our storyteller and award-winning journalist who spent 30-plus years at the Akron Beacon Journal writing stories just like this, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. There are photos on the internet, and I don't recommend you go looking for them, of nearly 50 big-game animals, all dead, lying together in an Ohio field, Tigers, lions, bears, cougars, wolves, even a baboon. Most of you know this story, at least the basics of it. Still, I couldn't help but think, what if you didn't? What a bizarre photograph, horrifying, but also preposterous. What possible sequence of events could lead to such a diverse family of animals from the plains of the African Serengeti and the jungles of Southeast Asia, ending up as a pile of corpses on a farm in the American Midwest? And how could the man who seemingly had once loved these animals had spent decades and untold amounts of money sheltering them, feeding them, purposely act in a way that he knew would condemn them to death. He killed himself, so we won't ever know his thoughts on that. But the facts of this case, well, that much we can share. Here's the story of the Muskingum County Animal Farm. Terry William Thompson grew up on a farm just east of Zanesville in east-central Ohio, a childhood that certainly seemed idyllic, loving parents, Boy Scouts, riding his bike, weekends spent watching small airplanes take off and land on the runway down the road. Those planes inspired him. He got his own pilot's license before his 16th birthday. But for a boy coming of age in the 1960s, there was always a shadow on the horizon, the potential of being drafted for the Vietnam War. And when Terry turned 18, he hit the mm, anti-lottery. He got plucked from his Norman Rockwell life and sent to the front lines. He became a door gunner on a Huey helicopter, holding the enemy at bay as soldiers were dropped off or picked up under hostile fire or making emergency medical evaluations. The brutality of war was seared into his brain. Some war vets don't like to talk about their experiences, but Terry talked. 
about dragging bodies and maimed soldiers onto the helicopter, holding some of them in his arms as they died. The days when there were more wounded than would fit, and how he'd have to pry fingers of desperate soldiers off the helicopter so they could take off with their full capacity. And having to mow down the enemy from the air, the act of killing nameless and faceless strangers to clear a runway. When he came home, he was a broken man, torn between guilt that he survived when men with wives and children would never come home, and a belief that he would never get to heaven because of the things he had to do. When he left Ohio, he was a man people would have described as friendly, always a smile with those riveting blue eyes. They didn't recognize the man, the scowling loner, who was returned to them. He did try to settle down and even found love. He married Marianne Sharp, an accomplished horsewoman from a well-respected local family. She became a school teacher. He opened a bike shop and sold Harleys and guns. But then he sold the shop, and for the rest of his life, he did a variety of things, trying to make ends meet by combining his hobbies and interests with ways to make money. For a while, he raced drag boats. He still flew planes for private clients and kept a few of his own planes on land that he owned on Kopchak Road. People tended to think of him as eccentric, it may be a little dangerous. After a break-in at his bike shop, he posted himself on site for three nights, waiting to catch an intruder so he could beat him to a pulp. He drove a decommissioned fireman's truck around town until he wrecked it. He once landed an ultralight on the county fairgrounds, and when an officer told him he'd better never pull that stunt again, Terry dared him to do something about it. He loved his notoriety, but his friend said he was also good and generous, and while he hated authority, they loved his free spirit. He played guitars, mostly the blues. His favorite song was House of the Rising Sun. In 1977, Terry bought his wife, Marion, a baby tiger cub for her birthday, and that began their fascination with exotic animals. Suddenly, they were visiting friends with a baby bear in tow, or seen about town with a lion in the passenger seat. Terry often slept with his big white tiger. For years, Marion slept with a monkey. Years passed. Decades, their exotic private animal farm grew. Once Terry was hired to bring one of his lion cubs to a fashion shoot with Heidi Klum. Another time, he appeared on the Rachel Ray show as an animal handler. Twice, he took animals to a Bloomberg corporate summer picnic in New York. But what the public saw of Terry didn't always match what was really going on behind the scenes. 
In 2005, Terry was charged with animal cruelty when three cows and a buffalo that he owned on his parents' old property died of starvation. He was sentenced to six months' house arrest. Another time, two of Terry's Rottweilers killed a couple of calves on a neighboring farm. When the farm owner confronted Terry about it, Terry promised the farmer he'd never see those dogs again. But the dogs were back three days later and killed two more calves, so the farmer had to shoot the dogs. As for the ever-growing number of exotic animals, Terry often discussed his intent to open a public attraction called T's Wild Kingdom. But it was becoming obvious Terry was also overwhelmed. He didn't seem to have a sense of how much was too much. He had accumulated nearly 60 of the magnificent wild beasts. In 2008, Terry was cited for keeping cages without roofs and using lightweight dog kennels to secure lions and tigers. The report said lions, tigers, bears, monkeys, wolves, leopards, and mountain lions all lacked food, water, and shade, that they lived in cages caked with layers of urine and feces, and sometimes had to live alongside rotting carcasses that hadn't been removed. That pens were so tight, the tigers and lions especially couldn't get sufficient exercises, and that lion cubs showed bow legs, which were indicative of malnutrition. That there was sewage and standing water in the bear's pen, and that some animals had wounds that they weren't being treated for. A bear with a cut over his eye, a horse with an injured leg, lesions on a lion's hips. Terry and his wife made many upgrades, enough so that a potential court action against them was dropped. But neighbors insisted it had been bad for some time. One neighbor reported that several of the Thompson's horses had broken loose and surrounded her car, licking the vehicle to get water from the rain. The law enforcement officer who responded to that complaint heard cows bellowing for food, and dozens of dead animals were heaped into a hole on the property, and the smell of rotting flesh permeated the air. Then Terry got into trouble over something completely unrelated to the animals. The feds learned about his absurd gun collection and suspected some illegal arms were among them. In 2008, the ATF raided his home and took away 133 firearms. In the end, Terry was only convicted for two of the weapons, a gun without a serial number and possession of a machine gun, which he said his father brought home from World War II. For that, Terry was sent to the Federal Correctional Institution in Morgantown, West Virginia in 2010 to begin a sentence of several months. By then, his marriage of 40 years was over. He accused his wife of infidelity and of turning him in for the guns, the latter being something their friend said she would never have done, 
and spoke more to the fact that Terry was going off the deep end. When Terry got out of prison, he was, again, a broken man. He was moved to a halfway house in Columbus for a few weeks, and when he was released, rather than call anyone for a ride, he bought a bike at Walmart and rode nearly 50 miles in the rain to reach his home. When friends realized he was back, they visited him, but found him despondent, not caring for himself, and not caring enough for the animals. Terry was also complaining that the animals had been changed around in their cages, and he had lost track of who they were. He couldn't call them by their names anymore. A couple of days before the end, Terry was walking with a friend past the lion cages when he threw up his arms and said, She can just have it all. I'm going to die. The friend asked if he was sick, and he said, No, but you'll know when I go. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sam Kopchik was a retired science teacher. He and his mother lived next door to Terry and Marion Thompson on Kopchik Road, which was named for his great-uncle. He knew the Thompsons kept a big game on their property. Sometimes he'd hear a lion roaring. But they were always out of sight on the other side of a high ridge. Late in the afternoon of October 18, 2011, Kopchik left his home and walked to a paddock where he was keeping a new horse he'd bought. The horse was acting strangely. It had moved to a far corner of the fence and was acting skittish. Then Kopchik looked beyond his fence to see the Thompson's horses, also acting weird. They were circling in an agitated way. He saw a dark shape emerge from the circle a black bear. It was surprising, but black bears do live in Ohio, and this wasn't a particularly big one. Kopchak decided he'd just put his horse in the barn. That's when his eye caught something more disturbing on the other side of the fence. Sitting on the ground, looking right at him, was a lion, a fully grown male African lion. Kopchik remained calm. He recalled hearing things about not running, not doing anything to make himself look like prey. Unsteadily, he walked his horse to the barn, then locked them inside. He telephoned his mom in the house, and she in turn called Terry Thompson to let him know one of his animals was loose. Nobody answered the phone. Her second call was 911. She calmly reported that a lion was roaming free, a bear too. What she didn't know 
was that from the shelter of his locked barn, her son was seeing so much more now. He spotted a wolf, then a second bear, a big one, then a second lion, and finally a tiger. The tiger snarled, then went after the Thompson's horses. Muskingum County Deputy Jonathan Mary was one of the first responders to arrive. He quickly saw there was more than a small bear and a lion in the field. Deputy Mary saw what Kopchick had seen from his locked barn. And when he saw the wolf running down the road, he ran back to his car to chase after it. He called it in on the radio and was told to put the animal down before it could hurt anyone. He nailed it with one shot from a rifle. Sheriff Matt Lutz, who was settled at home for the evening, got the call around 5.20 p.m. His first thought was that animals had gotten loose from the Thompson property before, but nothing bad had ever happened. He jumped into his car and headed to the property. But as reports from more deputies made it clear something unprecedented was happening, he told his officers, kill any animals that leave the Thompson property. There were homes nearby, an apartment building just down the road, a school soccer game with kids yelling and cheering maybe a mile away. Don't take any chances, the sheriff said. Other deputies were on site now, some of them only armed with their service weapons. Deputy Mary drove to where a couple of them radioed that they had a lion cornered. He knew they needed his rifle. On the way, he was stopped because he needed to help a deputy who was trying to deal with a bear. He stepped out of his car and the bear charged him. He reached for his rifle, but it snagged on something in the car. Quickly, he pulled his own Glock out of his holster and got off one shot. The black bear fell just seven feet in front of him. Deputy Mary freed his rifle. He saw a lioness crawling under the fence and running down the road toward a neighbor's home. He raced to find her and put her down. He turned around to deal with another bear and a tiger running along the roadway. But the path of a cougar intersected his, so he followed the cougar down a driveway and was met by another male lion coming the other way. He killed the lion, while two other deputies who arrived on scene dealt with a cougar. Before the night ended, he would shoot another wolf, two more lions, a tiger, and, thanks to a thermal imaging camera, a grizzly bear who had found a nice hiding place. But where was Terry Thompson? Why wasn't he out helping to corral his animals? Had they gotten to him? Was he injured or worse? Sergeant Steve Blake drove to the Thompson house to answer those questions. What he saw stunned him. The cages the animals had been in, they were wide open. Most of them had been cut open. 
The animals hadn't escaped. They had been released. Sergeant Blake waited for John Moore, a caretaker who helped with the animals and had been called to the scene, and together they went inside. There they found two monkeys and a dog in cages, but no Terry Thompson. They left the home and started back down the drive, and that's when John Moore spotted it. A body near the barn. A white tiger was eating it. They couldn't get close enough to identify who it was. The sheriff's office called the Columbus Zoo. They needed help. John Moore said there were 56 animals on the farm. The zoo had a capture and recovery team. They quickly armed themselves with tranquilizer dart guns and regular weapons. But they were at least an hour's drive from Zanesville. Local law enforcement couldn't wait for them to arrive. With bolt-action rifles, assault rifles, even a submachine gun, they put down every animal they could find. Darkness was falling fast. If an animal got away, who knows how far it would get in one night? Who knows what it would meet come morning? A couple of deputies returned to the body they had seen. It was lying on its back the white tiger still on top of it. At 6.04 p.m., one hour after the 911 call had come in, Deputy Lutz was confident enough about what he saw to share the news over the radio. We have located the owner, Code 16. That meant dead on arrival. Still, they didn't approach the white tiger They instead went after animals that were trying to run. The calling continued. Some of the deputies later saying it made them sick, having to shoot animals who weren't at fault for what happened. They didn't ask to be there, a deputy would later tell a reporter. By the time the Columbus Zoo team arrived, the sun had set. There was no hope for tranquilizing animals in the dark, A tranquilizer takes time to act. You have to follow the animal, patiently wait for it to drop. Nobody wanted to take the chance of one getting away. Finally, officers returned to that body a third time. The white tiger was gone. They approached the dead figure of Terry Thompson. A set of bolt cutters was nearby, as was a stainless steel three fifty seven Magnum revolver. There was a bullet hole in his head. There were also pieces of raw chicken scattered around his body. Authorities concluded he must have wanted the animals to eat him. When it was over, most who were part of the evening's action were amazed no humans had been hurt. The officers dragged the animals to a central collection point and laid them out by species to make it easier to count them. In the early morning light, a photograph was taken, and the image of the massacre was published all over the world. 
The Columbus Zoo team returned to the site at the break of dawn. With them was Jack Hanna, a well-known animal handler who'd had his own TV show. He was a national figure, but had close ties to Zanesville, had gone to school there. While many in the public were quick to criticize the sheriff for not thinking of an alternative to the mass destruction of such special beasts, Hannah gave interviews assuring everyone there was no other option. The sheriff had walked him through what happened the night before, and Hannah fully supported his decision and the priority of protecting human life. He told the press, It was like Noah's Ark wrecking right here in Zanesville, Ohio. Forty-nine animals were dead. One was unaccounted for, a monkey. The experts decided it was likely eaten by one of the cats, but no trace of it was ever found. Two more monkeys in the house were okay, as were three leopards and a small grizzly who never made it out of their cages. Six survivors. Authorities said when they entered the house, it was clearly inhabited by someone who had lost his mind. Garbage and feces everywhere. A pair of pants left on the floor with twine in place of the belt, possibly hinting at another layer of Terry's fall from sanity. His wife, Marion, arrived at the house about noon. She had to be convinced by the zoo to relinquish the six surviving animals. She sang a lullaby to the monkeys, and they clung to her as she took them to their carriers for their final trip to Columbus. An earth mover was brought in to dig a hole for the dead. The hole was made 30 feet deep, and the animals were buried in a single mass grave on the site. Terry Thompson's body was taken to the Licking County coroner. His body had been torn apart, but there was no mistaking the bullet hole in his head and the gunpowder residue on his left hand. Some questions still remain. Why did Terry cut open the cages with bolt cutters rather than just open the doors? Was he trying to make sure he couldn't change his mind? How did he release 50 animals without being attacked by any of them? Seriously, when you cut open that 50th cage, you've already got 49 lions, tigers, and bears running around. And of course, the biggest question of all, why did he do it? His friends did not doubt that he collected the animals, some of them rescues, because he genuinely loved them. One friend, Mike Marshall, revealed to a reporter that when Terry was in Vietnam, he was befriended by a little monkey. He said, He lived in a hardback tent, you know, a wood frame and a wood floor, and apparently a monkey kind of befriended him, and it planted the seed of caring for wild animals for the rest of his life. He took care of that monkey most of the time he was over there. It kept him sane while he was there. So why? How could he have doomed them in that one final act? Maybe that's the biggest mystery of all. Just how twisted depression can get.
and what dark deeds are made possible by an unwell mind. I want to give credit to a lot of the details in this story to an article at GQ.com written by Chris Heath. That's it for tonight, listeners. For photos, news clippings, and more on this and every episode, hop on over to our website, ohiomysteries.com. We are also proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you would like to hear more podcasts like ours, check out killerpodcasts.com. Be sure to tune in Wednesday for our 10-minute mysteries, and we will see you next week for another full episode. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.